Good morning. So, would you believe I'm teaching on fear, and I have a joke about fear. <laughs> so, <laughs> and actually, it's about Sean. Now, this could be a true story. We've got to get Sean in here. Oh, well. Sean, I got a story about you. Can you take? So, I just have a story. I, it's a joke, but it could, yeah, it's about you. And so this is good. Um, <laughs> so Sean was uh, so excited. He had this new person come visit worship. And so he, of course, went to visit, got her address, and single person. And so he goes to her home, and uh, she doesn't know he's coming. So he knocks on the door, and uh, no one comes. And he knocks again, and he hears some rustle inside the house. Pretty convinced there was someone there. Knocks once more, no one. This person, woman, didn't come to the door. So Sean, kind of clever guy that he is, he has his calling card, and on the back of the card he writes Revelation 3.20. You know that one? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice, we'll open the door and invite me in. So, so anyway, he slides his car underneath, card underneath the door, and then next Sunday, sure enough, she's there in church. He's kind of curious about what she would say, and she didn't say a thing. She <laughs> She just handed him a card, and on the card she put Genesis 3.10. Oh, Sean was interested, and he went home and he got read that. And this, Genesis 3.10, this is a true story. I heard your voice in the, in the garden, and I was afraid. <laughs> and, I hid, and I hid myself, for I was naked. <laughs> So, it's kind of even scary to say the word in church, isn't it? Anyway, it's in the Bible. The first place that fear is mentioned is in the scriptures. So, um, before we do fear, I do want to do, since Thanksgiving is coming, and this is time to enjoy some gratefuls um, and think about things we could be grateful for. But my guess is that you may have not done this grateful. I'm going to invite you to think of a favorite tree as a child, if you close your eyes, and just uh, all of you had, most of you, if not all of you, had a favorite tree. And just uh, take a little minute, take a minute just to think, what was that tree be? And uh, maybe you won't even know the kind of tree it was, but you know the tree. And, where, and then kind of imagine what you're doing there, how old you are. What you're feeling, especially, what are you grateful for? What would you like to thank God for this tree? The gift that tree was as you were a child. You'll relive the memory of being whatever age you are in that memory, being with that tree. Tell Jesus again what you're grateful for as a, a little boy or girl, or could be an adult too. It's 
Some of you might want to find out where Jesus is because he was there. He's Emmanuel. And the biggest gift we have to take care of our fears is to know that Jesus is with us. And so he's with us in the positive time too. So where's Jesus? Some of you might be able to picture him. What's it like being with Jesus in your tree? And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So just for fun, I would like to have some of you, or I would like some of you to name the tree. What kind of tree was it? What was it? A dogwood? Apple tree? Avocado, <laughs> pepper tree, what was that? Weeping willow, black walnut, wow. Was that a fig? A big tree. Maple. Anybody have lilac bush? Yeah. Nobody had a palm tree. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting uh, to think about just uh, what we're, fa- we're grateful for as kids and also what we had fears about as children. And we'll talk about that because some of us may have the same fears that we had uh, when we were small. But um, grateful is the best ways, you know, to connect with God's presence. And uh, I posted this on Facebook and, and, and uh, you know, did this exercise and I got some fun answers. A huge old lilac bush with the center gone to make a perfect fort. This was a pastor. A box elder in the yard, I climbed off into the top where branches were only an inch round. Mom was nervous. <laughs> How many had a tree where you like to climb in? Because that would be one thing about a favorite tree. So, um, my, so let's keep going here, but um, I wanted to teach then about conquering fear. <clears throat> and um, so the first uh, point I make in your message, if you look at your outline, it's fear not. The most repeated command in scripture is fear not, or don't be afraid. And that command often comes with, I, because I'm with you. It's so important. When my father died, and, and I was, I don't know why, I was pretty scared after that. I was, had nightmares. And um, actually, I remember the nightmare. I'm seven years old, and a, a, a boogeyman would defecate on me in my dreams. It was horrible. And so my mother said I could sleep with my brother. And, and then I never, had no more nightmares. So just being with my brother, not being alone, helped me with that nightmare. So I looked, I looked up some scripture passages which don't have fear in them. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. That was to Abraham. Be strong and courageous. That's why it's interesting that we, we can do things even when we're afraid, because we can be bold. It takes more boldness to do something like sing the Kyrie for Gary. He did well because I prayed for him. So... Uh, <laughs> Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Now that is a quote from Hebrews 13. And it's also a quote from the psalm, another psalm. The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God, Isaiah. Do not yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. That's Jesus. Don't fear a thing. Send, God sends angels with special orders to protect you, as we heard in the Psalm 91. My mother wanted me to memorize that psalm. I think she even offered me some money, but I didn't do it. But sometimes we need someone else to read that song to us. You get, you know, if you're have, would you just have someone read, you know, you'd ask somebody, would you just read Psalm 91 to me today? I need to hear it from you. And the, over and over, the psalmist is saying, I'm with you. And actually, a number of places now we'll see that the one way God was present was through angels, as a, especially in Psalm 91. The angel said to her, this is to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary. If you were Mary, would you have been afraid? Not a sin to be afraid. That's a pretty good response to something that could be overwhelming. In fact, it's something that we comes before we even think about it. It's just fear, and then but she gets that promise. And then the angel said to the shepherds, they're pretty scared when there's, there's an army of angels, this choir of angels are announcing the birth of the, of the Messiah, and they say to the shepherds, it would have been good news to hear that, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. For you today is born this day in the city of Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we have uh, this wonderful, wonderful promise when we get afraid that we're not alone. Emmanuel, God with us. So it helps to understand fear if we're going to conquer it. And, and second thing I mentioned is fear is a rea reaction to something that threatens my joy and my well-being. Fear and anxiety go hand in hand. Fear is the emotional response to what threatens me while anxiety is rooted in imagination. So fear has an object. You know, there's a bear there, I'm afraid. But there's another kind of fear that really is more about my, my imagination. I imagine some things, uh, what's the worst could happen? And that's often the uh, experience of anxiety. And both trigger our fight, flight, or freeze response, shoots adrenaline all through the body. You know, God's created us to be on alert, uh, to, be, to protect us. Oh, there's something here, and I need to do something quickly. And so we do have, in terms of anxiety, this spectrum from mild concern, or a little stronger, serious worry, dread, that would be fear plus shame. Absolute panic, that could be a panic attack, and then terror. Could be ter and the scriptures have some interesting stories of fear, and one in which Israel was in, they were terrorized. They're they really in terror because there was a giant who was nine feet tall, and his name was Goliath. You had to have that story in Sunday school. It's one of the best. And he's got a pretty heavy sword, and all Israel is just intimidated by him because he makes this offer. If you can get somebody that will beat me in battle, I'll, in Philistines, well, you can all uh, will go away. And so David visits the camp to bring some sandwiches to his brothers, and they're all scared too. And he sees this giant, you know, and David's response is based on what happened with him when he's out guarding his sheep. Because he had some bears and lions show up, and how did he kill them? 
for the stone. And so he knows that God takes care of him. And he, here's this little boy, David, and he says to the giant, I just, it's fun telling the story, he calls Goliath, you uncircumcised, I forget what he, Philistine. Now, you know, that seems strange that he would say that, but what he's saying is, you're not, you're not, you're not part of the covenant. We have the promise of the covenant. And the covenant of God, he's going to be faithful to us, and he, you're not, you, don't, you just don't have that covenant protection of God's covenant with you. And, of course, he takes us, he had five smooth stones. And this helps, this gives me a chance to tell my favorite Bible joke. What did Goliath say when he got hit right in the center of the head with that stone? <laughs> this is a really bad joke. <coughs> <laughs> Nothing like this ever entered my mind before. <laughs> One more Bible joke. Just thought of him this morning. So Moses is up there in the mountain, you know, he's heard of all these his people, you know, below. He's, they're in trouble, they're not obeying God, and, and he's got a headache. <laughs> it's another bad one. And he says, God, I got this terrible headache from these people. And God said, oh, I can help you. Here are two tablets. <laughs> tablets of stone, ta aspirin tablets. Okay, you got it, Tom. <laughs> okay. Uh, so now I mentioned this another fun story. Well, not fun, but it's really kind of realistic. Remember in the garden where Jesus is threatened by his life and Mark is there? It doesn't really say his name. He's the gospel writer. It says a young man was so scared, he took off, someone grabbed his linen he was wearing, and he runs away naked. And so he was, he was scared. And that's a story, kind of a one verse in the Bible about Mark, the guy who ran uh, you know, away out of fear. And then when we're going to talk about fear, often we need to um, talk about the fear of the Lord. What does it mean to fear God? And that seems like to be afraid that he's going to hurt us or, or whatever, we get punished. But I think that fear of God is really, to, there's something very important about learning to fear God out of respect and honor and how big God is, bigger than Goliath, or that. Anyway, and so here's what Jim Wilder described the fear of God as. The fear of the Lord coaches you into the love of God. It's kind of like that fear coaches me into experiencing God's love going to take care of me. Number four, God wired our brains to form two kinds of attachments, joy bonds and fear bonds. So this happens early. You've heard me talk about attachments. We need secure attachments, and if, we, and if our brain's going to go to either fear or joy, that's the way it's, God's wired it. And so hopefully there's security there. We bonded to fear, I mean to love, attachment love, and if not, we'll get bonded to fear. And that fear is we're not quite sure where we stand with the other person, or we are quite certain of where we do stand, and it isn't good. People who grow up with fear bonds learn how to fear map their world. And uh, it's interesting, uh, they, when they, look, they begin the day, they think about all the things that I could be afraid of, and how, um, what am I going to do when I look at going to this place or getting up and speaking? You know, public speaking, you've heard, is the biggest fear. Anybody have had that one? Uh, you understand. People who grow up with fear bonds, um, they have trained their brains to look for whatever is scariest. As a result, they fixate on problems. So, how, what am I going to do so I won't be afraid and to avoid pain? And pain and problems are the focus of our brain's activity. It is virtually 
impossible to grow joy. So it's so important that we learn how to return to joy from fear. So how do I do that? Well, number five, strengthening our emotional capacity helps us conquer fear through joy bonds. How do I do that? How do I grow in emotional capacity? One thing I can, you want to grow, in, I grow in co emotional capacity is just show up here once a month. Because, <laughs> you know, because we, we, we get strengthened by other people's being glad to be with us and their smiles, passing the peace. God's peace be with you. Sharing gratefuls, of course, are the best way to grow in emotional capacity and appreciation. We share positive feelings that we can, uh, we think of positive. I can anticipate being with you and feel the joy now that I will feel when I'm with you. And that's, um, that's what builds emotional strength. Just the freedom and, and security to act like myself with you, with you. It's so good. I don't have to pretend. My ability to stay connected safely at an emotional level and then the sense that you are with your people, that's what it means to feel like I belong. These are my people. That's a feeling of belonging. I'm, and that means I'm not alone. Strengthening number six, fear bonds are look quite different. Smiling is rare. It's hard to visit my brother Joe and Regions Point. You know, my brother George has got he got a bunch of problems: macular degeneration, hearing problem, and dementia. And he's publicly shared about his his Alzheimer's. And so I had lunch with him last Saturday. And nobody was smiling. And I, was, I felt some sadness. And, you know, it's, I'm not sure it's easy to smile when you've got aches and pains. And so smiles are really a big gift that we give to other people. And as you know, when people ask me, how are you, I say, glad to be with you. Now, it really doesn't mean much if I don't have eye contact and smiling. But I, I, want, I have a predict something. If you ever go to Trader's Joe, Trader Joe's, You'll, they'll ask you, how are you? They always do, at least when I go there. And so yesterday I said, I'm glad to be with you, but I realized I was concerned about where I was going to, my bag and what to do with it, and I didn't even look at him. Well, that doesn't mean a lot. It's a smile that goes with, I am glad to be with you. Uh, <clears throat> shutting down is when problem, when these are what's happened when we get overcome with fear. We lose the desire to be relational. I'll talk about that more later. Isolation becomes normal. Treating someone who is a friend more like an enemy. It's easy to make an enemy even out of a friend. How do I do that? By not wanting to be with them or not being interested in what they have to say or I get stuck on something they did say or I feel hurt. It's so good that your pastor is teaching on hurt. So I realized last night when I was <laughs> went to a, a training in Emmanuel Prayer that I was going <laughs> to, someone was going <laughs> to, Make an enemy out of me, because I wore a USC shirt. <laughs> and which, <laughs> anybody see the game yesterday? Yeah. So my daughter graduated from USC and masters also, and so that's when I became a Trojan fan. But the first person I saw <clears throat> was she was not happy. Uh, would you, and would you believe she played on the soccer team for UCLA? And so I see, I, I be, not really, but I'm thinking that would be how easy to become an, I became an enemy instead of, of a pastor friend anyway. Not really, but there are two kinds of fears on the back sheet then. The 
this really has to do with conscious and non-conscious or unconscious. Explicit fear, I reckon, something I recognize, this is fearful. <clears throat> and um, so, um, and that can activate some anxiety uh, because of what happened. And I'm, I wanna, I mean, it's easy to name that fear because we realize, oh, I'm afraid of this object in my life. Or what could, imagination, again, anxiety, I can imagine what could happen. Then there's called implicit fear, which is right brain, below consciousness. It's a hidden fear that directs my thinking, feeling, decisions, and behavior. So do you remember uh, when you went to the doctor and he did kind of a physical and you, crossed, you put out your knee and he had that hammer? And what did your leg do? I mean, it just goes right out. I didn't tell it to. And I'm looking at it and I said, I had nothing to do with that ear, my leg popping out. Well, that's what this kind of fear is. It comes from <clears throat> our amygdala. The, that's the guard shack in the brain in which <clears throat> we unconsciously, it's one of those feelings that we don't think about having or choose to have. It's just there. And God's given our brain that ability to act quickly, one-tenth of a second. Uh, when we are assessing, that's what this is the job of that amygdala in the brain is asked the question, is this good, bad, or scary? And some things we answer, scary, scary, scary. <clears throat> this is the problem with the amygdala. It remembers everything. So if you're ever scared of a spider, I feel so bold when Judy asked me to kill a spider. <laughs> I mean, any of you afraid of spiders? A few, yeah? That little spider. So what is that? There's something that's in our brain that that's, uh, remembers whatever, uh, different, and that has to do with different phobias, heights, and, and actually that initially probably protected us when we were in danger. But what happens when I get afraid is that the, my relational part of me, the, the attunement center of the brain just shuts down. And so I'm, out of con I'm lose touch with anything and my joy files about how God's going to take care of me. And God is with me. And so I need to get my relational circuits turned back on again if, to overcome that fear. What hinders me from conquering fear? These are quickly quick answers. Minimizing fear is a bad plan. Ah, it's not big a deal. Well, that's probably true. For some fears, anyway, you can say that's not that important. Isolation is a great way to stay stuck. Feeling alone makes fear harder to regulate and quiet. Attachment pain empowers and amplifies our fears and all six big emotions. Remember attachment pain? That's the pain we have when somebody who's supposed to be here is missing. And that attachment pain really gets triggered easily at Thanksgiving and at Christmas. Or somebody that I felt close to or or, or places where we're supposed to really have this, this Hallmark card kind of atmosphere. Everybody's so happy at Thanksgiving, but my family, everybody is still mad from last time. You know. I may be probably drinking too much. And so there's a pain there, attachment pain, that I'm supposed to have really a lot of joy being with these people, and it's not there. And so if I have attachment pain and then fear, that attachment pain will amplify it and make it bigger than it that would normally be. Men often feel ashamed over their fears, so they hide or mask it. I don't know if it's any more than women. 
Guys are told to be strong. Weakness is a really bad thing. Don't ever show anybody you're weak. And so Jim Wilder uh, makes this uh, observation studying about stress. And it's really good insight. Stress is a term psychologists invented to make fear more acceptable. And you can say to, you know, he did, they did a study, a research about business people. And how many have stress in your business? Oh, everybody. And raise your hand if you've had fear in, in your business. And we got one honest guy, way to go. So, uh, so it would be easier to say I'm stressed out rather than I'm really scared about this. So we're learning <clears throat> that to keep us really from learning about what's going on with our fear. And this idea of flies and rats, that there are spirits that gather around fear and unprocessed pain, and they get attached to it. And so we need to tell that those things, critters to leave, spirit of fear. What helps us conquer fear? Well, first, we identify the fears that rob our joy and peace. I was afraid of Catholics when I grew up. Anybody had that? Catholics. Catholics. Yeah, really, I was. <laughs> I'm surprised you. That's, uh, is there one other person that was afraid of Catholics? No. How many were Catholics? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so, you know, and my friend Craig Edom, he showed me the catechism, and here was this priest where you have a confessional booth, and you picture a little boy confessing to the priest, and that little boy looks pretty scared. And so, I mean, it, all it took was meeting a Catholic, because we didn't, I don't know, Catholics and Lutheran, they didn't marry each other. When I grew up, it was uh, that was not the best thing you could do. I mean, they did, but uh, families could be against that. I mean, we could think. I mean, <clears throat> so many things you could name. What are some fears I have? And some come out of our childhood. Some. I mean, I think last two weeks, I I thought it was reflecting about hurts, and we can be afraid of being hurt, or uh, if something happened, we're afraid of being hurt, or by what happened, or. And then what happens some often say in marriage is that you can be afraid to, you feel hurt in a marriage, and then you, don't, you get afraid to uh, bring it up because it'll get worse. And so Judy and I realized this early on in our marriage that we need, just talking about it took care of it, but just being fear of being hurt, fear of um, losing a job, I mean, so many things you could name. Number two, identify what happens in my body when I feel fear. And then what do I want when I feel fear? This comes from a Wilder Chats with Kitty Wilder. When I feel fear, I want to fight, flee, or freeze. Freeze means I get frozen. I'm immobilized. I can't move. Um, when I feel fear, I want someone to be with me. I don't want to be alone. When I feel fear, I want someone to share this with me. When I feel fear, my heart feels like it could pop out. My body gets hot and sweaty. I'm shaking all over. I don't want you to say anything. When I feel fear, I want you to look me in the eye. I want you to be glad to be with me, and I can quiet myself. Number three, staying connected with people and knowing that I'm not alone helps disarm fear and anxiety. Again, that's the promise that Jesus or the scriptures give us, that we don't be afraid because someone is with us. Now, I think with that command with Jesus, don't be afraid, comes a grace to be bold. 
and there's grace for this. I can help you with this fear. And it's not like you're doing it all wrong. We talked about that, about that storm time last time, being afraid in the storm. So I asked a friend, uh, uh, what, and we've had some conversations together, what, what helps you overcome fear? And this is what she wrote on email. The mirroring effect of someone listening to me and telling stories, sharing joy, communicating you are glad to be with me, being an example of calm, stability, and faith helps her. Well, here's the explanation of that. The brain of people who listen to stories will mirror the storyteller's brain. With joy, my brain responds as though I'm experiencing the joy you're telling me about. With fear or overwhelm, my brain responds as though I'm experiencing the ordeal you described to me. In a sense, your experience becomes my experience. Stories can mold, influence our thought, our thought process in a similar way that experience does. <clears throat> so this person realized that I would tell a joy story or how God was helping me in some ways in my life help this person to borrow my emotional capacity. We actually can do that from others. Maybe borrow faith. Sometimes I'll tell people, you can just borrow my faith. You don't have to believe. I'll believe for you. Especially I do that when I'm praying for people who are depressed. And actually, when people are sick and in pain, you know, the last thing they are going for, they just want the pain to stop. And, and so we as a body, we're going to do this later with, we pray for Janet, but just to, we gather our faith and our, there's an, an environment of faith and expectation. But we, the person who's, who's sick really, it's, um, it doesn't feel the, some strength at times to do it. When I was diagnosed with, with bladder cancer in my bladder, the first thought I had was, it's my fault, I'm not drinking enough water. And so I think it's easy when we have a diagnosis of something physically or whatever it may be, um, it's easy to think, well, what's the matter with me? And so it's, it could be shame. So I'm very careful to do everything to say, you know, um, it's not your fault, or to really say, I'll, t I'll believe for you, or things like that. Understanding of how and why my fears is very, uh, what the how and why of my fears is very helpful. I don't, uh, this person who asked what helps you with fear, she writes, I do not get concerned or even embarrassed when I shout out from being startled. Whoop! Uh, how many get startled? I mean, that one, <laughs> and do you shout? Sometimes, I mean, she does. <laughs> Loud? And so, I mean, she said, I can reason with myself. She says, I really don't get upset about that sometimes when I shout out. I'm not embarrassed, yeah. I remind myself I'm not in danger. My fears have nothing to do with what's going on in the present. Now, this is what you call being triggered. We can be triggered when we're in a situation by past experiences when we had that fear. And so logically, when I look in front of you, and I'm just, say if I'm helping someone with a panic attack, because the fear that's being triggered right there is that they've gone someplace in their mind to other than sitting in this chair. Okay, and I say, imagine, where are you sitting now? Oh, I'm, I'm sitting here in church. I can look out and see the mountains. I got all these people around who are worshiping me. And so, I help that person be present to where they are now, which is safe. And, and, or as a, a panic attack, there's a trigger going on in their mind that's below consciousness. 
Uh, number four, a calm, slow, and rhythmic tone of voice can soothe and help us quiet. So some of you mothers know exactly what I'm talking about. This is an interesting study by Stephen Porges. Children are measurably calmed by, I've never heard of this word before, prosodic, sing-song speaking known as motherese. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's just kind of, oh, somebody could, could some, yeah, to, exactly, <laughs> to an animal. Yeah, we have this. <laughs> could <laughs> someone demonstrate it for me? How about it? Sing, how would you speak motherese? That's okay. And that actually, the way our vagus nerve, which goes to all the organs in my body, is that quiet, that vagus nerve is stir, stirred up when that sing song comes out, and, and the vagus nerve sends signals to all my, the organs in my body to be quiet. It helps to quiet. Then remember to breathe. So <clears throat> I'm going to close uh, uh, this teaching with a video. And, and uh, as you watch it, it's a video about uh, what I've talked about over the, these last three years is Emmanuel, an Emmanuel prayer, picturing God with us. There we go. And as you watch this, just see which one is your favorite picture of Jesus, being with someone.
So, would you, sh would you share with the person next to you what was the favorite scene that you saw Jesus with somebody? Maybe one of the happy ones or one of the sad ones. Just go ahead and tell the person or what you liked about this video. So Judy, what was your favorite one? The garbage truck? <laughs> Anybody else? Wow, you got two more here. I like the little boy. Jesus whispering kind of like he's whispering an idea or a thought, helping him. And I like Jesus clapping for the couple. A lot of people clap, right? When you may kiss the bride and everybody claps. So Jesus is Emmanuel, so he's with us, and so let's pray. And I invite you now to, to picture or be aware of Jesus um, being with you now, right here. He's with us, sitting next to us, or maybe some other. We may not picture where he is, but just know we can talk to him because he's near. And tell Jesus, uh, pray a grateful prayer. Jesus, what you're thankful for. Maybe a time that he's been with you that you saw in the movie or video. Find a, any grateful you could tell Jesus. Thank you for being with someone else that we love when they're going through a hard time. Just any grateful, just silently pray that prayer. <coughs> And then pray, Jesus, help, pray. Jesus, help me with this fear. And name one fear that you have. Lord Jesus, is there a fear that I have that you need, would like me to give to you? 
to help you with? It's mainly just naming it. And then listen, Jesus, uh, what's your response to my being afraid or this fear? And notice your first thought. When, he tells, when you tell him, I have this fear, what's Jesus' response? And tell Jesus what you're grateful for, what even for what his response is. Or respond to him some way. Amen.